like to hear the puppeteers cheers play the characters that you cheer. So join us as we go, 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 below the frame. On this episode of Below the Frame, I'm talking once again to the Sesame Street mentees. We'll meet two new members of our mentorship program, as well as talk about a lot of issues relevant to TV puppetry and, well, the world as well. We'll also drop in on the injury corner and ask a puppeteer a question about not puppets. It's time to go below the frame. Go, go, go below the frame. Welcome to Below the Frame with me, Matt Vogel. If you like our podcast, please rate and review, yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm going to say there. Okay, last season... We had an episode where we talked with the Sesame Street mentees. It's a, it's a group of up-and-coming puppeteers who are part of Sesame Workshop's commitment to deepening our roster of performers. And uh, it was a great conversation. I thought it was uh, really a, a great discussion for, for those out there who might be wanting to, you know, one day be a Muppet performer in the future. And uh, they had a lot of insight and tips for puppeteers looking to improve their skills. So if you didn't hear that one, if you didn't hear that episode last season, uh, I would encourage you to go find it and give it a listen. Well, today, I wanted to invite the mentees back again. And you're going to meet the two newest members of the mentorship program. And uh, we're, we're going to get into it. We're going to go deep with our mentees in this one. Uh, and I think that it is fascinating and eye-opening. So... Let's get to it. Let's go below the frame with the Sesame Street mentees. Today, we're going to continue a conversation that we started back in season one with members of the Sesame Street Mentorship Program, and we have some of those members back for this interview, as well as uh, two new members. So let's meet the seven members here today of the Sesame Street Mentorship Program, and we'll get started. We've got uh, Kathy Kim. Say hello. hello, Kathy. Hi there, Bradley Freeman. Hi there. Jamika Collins. Hi. Chris Thomas Hayes. Yo, what's up? Haley Jenkins. Hey. Megan Pyfus. Hey. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And Spencer Lott. Hey. There we go, the Sesame Street mentees. Welcome to a Below the Frame. Thanks for having us, Matt. Thanks, Matt. We're all talking at club. Yeah, that's fine. I'll talk at once. It's okay. That's the best way to do this anyway. Uh, You know, we've we've done one of these already. uh, And this one's going to be kind of a different conversation than what I usually do on Below the Frame. But also... You know, before we do that, our roster has has changed a little bit. We've added a couple of people, and so I want to take a few minutes for those of you that were not on the previous podcast to uh, talk about yourself a little bit, and that's going to be Brad and Jamika. And if you could just give us, just uh, let us know where you're from and uh, how you got interested in puppetry, maybe, and, and what brought you to the mentorship program, okay? So let's we'll start with Jamika. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm Jamika Collins. I am from a little town called Lexington, Georgia, in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Um, I went to school at New York University. Uh, As soon as I graduated high school, I needed to go to the big city. So that's what I did. And I studied theater, experimental theater. Uh, I found puppetry late in the game in about 2017. 
I got a job as an actor at the Center for Puppetry Arts, uh, just as a human talking to puppets. I was like, hold up, wait a minute, what are y'all doing? This is fun. I would like to do this. Um, so I got trained by Mr. John Ludwig. I love him. And I started to learn puppetry uh, in the theater format then. Uh, it wasn't until last year year or two years ago go now because it's 2022 um when sesame street was looking for uh puppeteers of color or women specifically that i uh got in front of a monitor for the first time and learned how to do puppets for tv uh and thanks to chris hayes for <laughs> letting me know about the audition it's been uh so much fun since then i did the jim henson workshop last summer and i did puppet up with um with the Jim Henson company. And now I get to be a mentee. So I am very excited. Awesome. Well, welcome. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, Brad. Okay. Well, Jamaica just took over the world of puppetry in a span of a couple months. So congratulations <laughs> to that. That is incredible. Um, also, okay. So hi, I'm Brad. Uh, nice to meet you virtually, everybody who's listening. Uh, and everybody here on the chat, I guess, as well. Uh, I am from Brownsville, Texas, uh, the very, you know, Texas, the very bottom, there's a little jalapeno tip and that's Brownsville right next to Mexico. And, um, I started puppeteering around the age of five. I sort of figured out that that's what I wanted to do. And I just started doing it and kept going. And I remember seeing, uh, I think it was the behind the scenes of like Kermit Swamp Ears or something on the bonus features. I saw that everyone was looking at a monitor. And so I got my grandma's old uh, TV that was about, you know, the screen itself was smaller than a sheet of paper, but the TV <laughs> was the size of, I don't know, a very large Amazon package. And I, I like put that up on a little, uh, on a little stand. I had a puppet and I, and I hooked up to this camcorder to it. And I started just lip syncing to, I had season one of the Muppet show on DVD and I would lip sync to that. And I would do that all the time. And I would watch YouTube videos. And I was just, that was just what I did for a very, very long time until um, eventually now I'm here, a part of the, <laughs> the men's, yeah, long story short. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I did the 2018 Sesame Workshop. That was sort of my first introduction. And that's where, uh, that's where I met Chris. And I think that's the only person who was there on that one. Um, and a bunch of other friends who I'm still friends with today. And then I was put on a list for a couple of years. And then I was um, asked to audition for Wes and Elijah. Spoiler alert, I didn't get Elijah, but I did get Wes. <laughs> and uh, it, that's been, that has absolutely changed my life. And uh, yeah, so now I'm here, part of the mentee program uh, and uh, even got to work on uh, Helpsters this year, which was fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you. And welcome to both of you to the mentorship program. Just a little bit about that mentorship program for those of you listening. We started that back in 2017, and it was designed to help deepen our bench of puppeteers. Uh, and what that means basically is when uh, we were you know, actively looking to add to our roster of puppeteers out there, and that idea has continued all the way to where we currently are, which is season 53. Uh, which we started shooting back in late January, 
and we are, um, a, you know, we're uh, a few weeks in already. And, uh, well, to really go below the frame here, to be honest with you who are listening, uh, we're recording this interview a few weeks actually before we really started shooting se- season 53. So, uh, but Matt, all of tell you, them how well it's going. It's going, oh, it's very going so well. well. It's going great. We're having a great time. Uh, we are tested constantly for, for uh, COVID, and uh, it's fantastic. Uh, but all of you that are here in this interview will be working on season 53, but you haven't done it yet, really. But by the time this airs, anyway, it's confusing. By the time it airs, you will have, have done this. So we're going to be talking uh, about some of the things that maybe you've been cast to perform, uh, but we haven't actually been able to do yet. Uh, but, oh, but I did have a question. Has everybody met in person? Have you all met each other in person? I haven't. Yes. I haven't met Megan. Hi, Megan. Yep. Again. Chris? Yeah. Yeah, Haley Megan's Chris. the only person. Yeah. yeah. I feel like wait, I have. So, wait, so I Chris, haven't. you haven't met Megan? I have not I'm, met I'm Megan in person. person. Yeah. I. I've only, I've, Jamaica, I've been around, but not in a sesame capacity. Oh, nope. so it's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so. Haley, you have met Brad and Jamaica, I'm guessing, from Helpsters? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We all worked on Helpsters Kathy, on the you, last day of the season together. Oh, and Spencer and, and Kathy Spencer. as well? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all became right. fast friends. They're good people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so most of you have met each other in in some way except for except for uh, Chris and Haley and Megan and and Spencer Spencer oh no you you've met Meg oh it doesn't matter okay anyway <laughs> just wanted to make sure cuz cuz what's weird is uh I hadn't met Jamika in person until December like this December of this wow. year, even though we had been doing a workshop with you and a few other uh, females virtually during 2021, right? That's when we did that. That's right. right. That was yeah. like summer 21? Like the spring, summer. Yeah. 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 That's right. So, uh, yeah, and you were in this virtual workshop that we were doing, and but we didn't meet each other until December. That's right. True. This year, which is weird. It was weird. It's like, wait, I know you, though. Give me a hug. What's yeah. up? <laughs> did, yeah. Like, is it okay, even though there's a pandemic? Right. Like, no, yeah, yeah. We do not hug a Matt Vogel until at least the third or fourth season in. <laughs> No, That's right. Uh, it was a big mistake, but that's all right. We've, she's got a little a check mark by her name, but that's fine. <laughs> Megan, we met a little bit earlier as well. Like that was when we really met too. I, yeah, around. I think I met you in person for the first time in September. Uh, when, met yeah, you virtually. Yeah, we did virtually. a celeb, celeb shoot? Or, yep, no. that's it. It was, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did yeah. a celebrity shoot on the Sesame Street set, yeah. and that was Megan's first time on Sesame Street. I know. <laughs> we'll probably talk a little bit about that here in a minute. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure, because everybody else I've kind of met and spent uh, way too much time with. Um, okay, so cool. Anyway, I thought that we would jump in here and talk about the things that you have done or, or things that you have accomplished uh, since we last heard from you back in September of 2021. So I'm going to start with Chris Thomas Hayes. Oh, me. Yes, you, sir. Sweet. Can you tell me some things that you've accomplished or done since that that last chat that we had? Yeah, no, it's been awesome since our last time on on Below the Frame. Uh, we debuted Wes and Elijah. Uh, Brad talked a little bit about that. That's been amazing and a lot of fun a whole bunch of uh fanfare and awesome stuff going on we'll talk more about that later um 
apart from Sesame, I did a a big shoot on Doom Patrol, which is on HBO Max. A bunch of uh, our Atlanta puppeteers, um, we built puppets, we performed puppets for a whole puppet episode, and it was crazy and great because um, uh, Sesame, we don't get to use the F word as much. Um, <laughs> At least not use, when we're rolling. Not when we're rolling. <laughs> but uh, this, right. there's Tons of curse. I mean, it's fun, it felt fun to do some adult stuff uh, <laughs> on camera. Uh, so we did Doom Patrol, um, Awoke, another uh, another show coming up. We were on season two of that. There's a lot of cool puppet stuff on that. Um, and then recently, we've been doing um, a Netflix movie called Boo, which is a Halloween movie. A lot of puppets from the um, Henson built a bunch of the puppets, and a lot of Atlanta puppeteers are on it. And we shot it and we were very excited and we realized it's a Halloween movie, so we won't see it for a year. So yeah. that'll come out uh, so- sometime in October. And then I've been working on a little project. I'm in like the, almost to the pitching phase of this uh, hip hop sci-fi thing I got going on. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. And when you say we were puppeteering on this, what, who, who is that? Is that a group of people that you work yeah, with? Yeah, we had a, actually, there are a lot of uh, Muppet performers that live in Atlanta, uh, we were uh, BJ Geyer, uh, Ricky Boy is down here. Um, Henson Puppeteer, uh, Raymond Carr is down here, and we kind of just like we bump into each other. We're like, you're you're here, you're here, and we um we get to do some cool stuff without getting on a plane, which is so nice to be able to <laughs> shoot stuff and then like, well, yeah. I'm going home, like so, yeah. and then we get to. Um, it's been a real cool. Uh, uh, relationship talking to those guys and getting some mentorship from the guys who some of the guys who work with Jim himself uh, and getting mentorship from that capacity too, which is real cool. Yeah, cool. Thanks, uh, Haley. Tell us some things that you accomplished since we last heard from you back in September. I'd love to, Matt. Um, okay, well, since last September, um, I've been continuing my my journey of shooting uh season one of don quixote uh with spiffy pictures out in chicago and uh it's been amazing we just wrapped up our first season we have been shooting that show since november of 2019 uh which has been such an incredible blessing to have um to have continuous work for really for the first time in my life. I mean, as a freelance puppeteer, you know, a season of a show lasts like how, how long is Sesame Street now? It, it shoots for like three, three months. months. Yeah, not very yeah, long. yeah, which is still so so wonderful to have that. But it's been it's been maybe the the least anxious I've ever felt in my life has been the last two years, like knowing that like the job continues and it continues. Now, can I ask you, Haley, yeah. you didn't, you weren't, didn't work the, through, like, there was a, a period in there where you had to hit pause, right? Because of uh, yes. the pandemic. Yes, right? absolutely. What, we, was that, what was that time that you were on pause? We paused from uh, March of 2020 through, actually just through, I think it was July 8th, I believe is when we went back. Uh, We went back just as we were one of the first shows to start shooting again. Um, And, you know, all the COVID protocols were all in in place and and it was such a a new world. But it was interesting that getting there since it's in in Chicago and I live in, in New York. Well, I live in New Jersey now. But I still call it New York because it sounds cooler <laughs> than yeah. saying I live in New Jersey. Yeah. Somehow there's more 
cred there. But um, we, uh, so me and my husband, Paul, we're both working on Don Quixote. And so we had to get out to Chicago right in the peak of pandemic lockdown. So first we drove and we found out that driving to Chicago, it's like a 14 hour drive, but any rest stop you go to, like there would be like one rest stop open like every couple of hours <laughs> and it would just be full of maskless people. So we did not love that. And so then we switched to taking a train out to Chicago and we did a sleeper train uh, on the Amtrak, which was amazing. The uh, it's just, we were in like a tiny little room and the uh, there's a little table and the table flips up to become a toilet, which was very strange. <laughs> table that you like put your food on you flip up and there's a toilet hole under it (laughs) wait do you not do do that at home with your actual toilet don't you know you know now that you've said it (laughs) sorry matt can you edit that part out i'm sorry i'll take that out (laughs) wait what 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 do you do when one of you had to you know use the, the the table toilet I'm the only one who did it because Paul was like, I'm going to hold it for for two days. <laughs> Kathy, did you really want to know that answer? I know. <laughs> Do I really want to share this answer? Uh, was it, late. You've you done it. Did you call it a toyble or a tablet? <laughs> I like tablet. Tablet. I if we take it again. This, this conversation started with Haley. What have you accomplished? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, Listen, anything else, Haley? You want to? Um, no. <laughs> I think you've done enough. I Great. Let's right. move on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, Megan, <laughs> Megan, uh, I'm sorry that you're following Haley after that, but uh, can you tell us what you have accomplished since we last heard from you? I don't think I have any travel experiences that compete with that. <laughs> Oh man, since the last time we talked, I got to meet everyone virtually, or not virtually, everyone that I had met virtually, I got to meet in person for the most part um, in September of 2021. Um, So I've been preparing, just like Jamika, learned everything, monitor virtually starting in March of 2020 and September 2021. They said I was on the schedule to 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 perform Gabrielle live and in person. And I continuously asked the producers, are you sure? Am I still on the schedule? Like I, I just did a workshop with Matt and I don't know, they, they may not think I'm ready. <laughs> and then I found out it was a celebrity shoot and I said, okay, I don't think they're sure. It can't be right. <laughs> I'm on the schedule. <laughs> Um, but it was an amazing experience being at Kaufman Astoria for the first time. Um, we did some small digital, some short digital shorts um, over two days and four different shorts. And I got to assist Cookie Monster, Ernie. Um, also I, I assisted Carmen with the um, AM character. Gabrielle was in two of the shorts and it was by far the most magical work experience I've ever had in my life. And I was on cloud nine for like a month straight and can <laughs> believe that was my job for two days. Um, and I'm just so grateful for 
the mentee program and getting me to that point and actually feeling ready. I was anxious up to the moment I was at Kaufman Astoria, but just seeing the magic uh, of everyone working made me feel at home. Like it felt like family and it felt like home. Strangely, it was my first time there. Yeah. So it's a good thing. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, so it was it was an incredible experience, and I can't wait to see everything that we recorded this coming spring. Um, in December, I did a workshop um, with Matt and Peter and Pam and Jimmy Good too. <laughs> <laughs> so that was incredible, getting to play again in person with lots of people that I met uh, virtually over the summer. Um, but other than that, outside of Sesame, um, since we last spoke, I'm going to do another round of financial literacy videos using puppets and music. We're going to write about six songs um, about supply and demand, scarcity, resources, budgeting, saving, investing uh, for kids, probably about three to five years old. And so I'll be re writing those this spring and we'll be recording in the summer. That's it. it if if you were an adult who is fifty one years old, do you think I would still I'd be I'd fall in that demographic? You think I'm okay to watch the? <laughs> I think you could fall in. We're, we'll try to make okay, the uh, the good. songs. Try to hit both education you know, for everybody. Might be good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Megan. Uh, Spencer, how about you? What have you accomplished since we last heard from you in September? Yeah. Um, recently, I got to do the Sesame Float. And the Thanksgiving Day Parade, which was the absolute dream and a blast, oh, yeah. with some other first timers. Um, which was, yeah, who which else was were the first timers there on that on that float? We let's see. It was Megan, Megan Kathy, yep, yeah, and myself, and Stacy. Stacy was there. Yeah, playing Julia. Yeah, so that was a, a blast. That was fantastic. Very excited for everybody. Um, I was puppeteering, I was day playing on helpsters. So doing a, a bunch of fun, weird, like one-off background characters and doing some doubling yeah. for Tim, which was great. Um, I'm on a new, I'm puppeteering on a new primetime show, a new Apple plus show oh. that I can't talk about, but it's super weird and super fun. <laughs> so I'm doing that. But now have you technically um, talked about it now or is that all you can say? Oh, based in, I have now done, now I'm screwed. Now I'm the Apple, Apple Plus is beating on the door. Um, <laughs> but who knows if by February, who knows what will be, what will be out there. But it's, uh, I think it's a, I can, it's a, it's a show, primetime show starring Billy Crudup. I think that's what we can say. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I've had this, this past summer, I did some, uh, I had some world premieres of my own like theatrical work. I did one outdoor piece at Little Island, that new performing arts venue. And then, had another piece that premiered virtually at Here Arts Off-Broadway, which is super, super cool. It just got extended. Um, and my wife and I started a business. We started Simple Mischief Studio, which is a creative studio. And so we create and build and manage projects. And we're uh, developing some, some TV shows and pitching some things around for young people. Thank you, Spencer. And Kathy? Uh, are, are you allowed to say the name of the, the virtual show that you did, Spencer? Because you didn't mention it. Can I mention oh, it? Yeah, sure. Sure. Totally. I just want to mention it because I watched it on December 31st because I thought that was the last day to watch it. It's been extended, but I cried. It's called 9,000 Paper Balloons, and I cried pretty much the entire way through. And then after it was over and Brian asked me why I was crying, he's like, was it sad? I'm like, no, it was beautiful. And I just started crying <laughs> again. It was so incredible. I'm so proud of you. Um, I, oh, thanks, Kathy. 
on this call. Um, Your commission check is in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So after a bit of a dry spell during COVID, um, I got to work on Comedy Central's Nora from Queens on an episode with Aquafina doing a big walk around character named Tony. And um, I pretty much got it because any other puppeteer willing to do a walk around was too tall to share the frame with five foot tall uh, to Aquafina. And that is pretty much the only reason I got the job. But it ended up being so much fun. And um, they were going to ADR my voice with a dude, but um, ended up keeping my placeholder voice. So um that was a blast and and she posted about me on her social media which made me feel super cool and then um helpsters came back for its second or technically third i'm not sure season um and i got to continue being heart's right arm which is the funnest i think the funnest job (laughs) on the show uh you know getting to um get a second chance at like doing it. I sort of, you know, we felt a little bit more mind meldy with Ingrid uh, Hansen who plays uh, Hart and she's brilliant and getting to sort of like fill out this like, um, you know, uh, this like walk around character, like kind of flesh them out is, is such a joy. Um, and then we got to do a lot more one-off weird uh, characters and speaking roles, which were super fun. Um, and then, uh, oh, uh, I also did a side project called Udi Show. Um, Udi means ours or, or, or we in Korean, uh, with this producer named Nadi Kai, who used to, um, be Anthony Bourdain's producer on, on North Reservations. And her goal is to spread the joy of Korean culture to American kids. And so we just, um, we did some like run and gun stuff, teaching like Korean holidays and words but we just got some funding to try and make some more videos this this year uh so i get to do the puppets for that which is really fun and then um last fall i uh was given the character of chi young on sesame street the first asian american muppet she is korean american just like i am and it's truly been life-changing <laughs> these last few months have been absolutely surreal the re- reaction that um this character is, has gotten. Um, and yeah, got to do the float for the first time with Spencer and, and Megan. Um, and I think that's about covers it. Yeah. Uh, we did a, a special, Chiang got a, a, we did like an anti-Asian hate special on HBO called See Us Coming Together. And that aired and is still streaming now on HBO. Matt. Thank you. Thank you for the plug. And we will, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, I do want to ask uh, Jamika and Brad, um, since coming into contact with Sesame Workshop in this manner, um, being a part of the mentorship program, and for Brad being cast as Wes, um, what have you accomplished since we since that happened for you? What have you done since your journey uh, started here very recently? I know, Jamika, I'll start with you. You said you uh, did the Henson Workshop um, out in LA, and then you got to do uh, Puppet Up from there. Can you expand on that a little bit and maybe give us a little bit of information? What else, what else have you done since uh, last year's ball got rolling for you? Yes. Um, oh, man. It feels, it's crazy because it feels like it was so long ago that I even sent in that audition tape to you. But then it's like, wait, but I just met you. This is just crazy. Um, So yes, I did Puppet Up at Not Scary Farm in uh, Buena Park, California, which was 
for I think it was really great as a new puppeteer uh, with monitor work because I had uh, three weeks of training with the Jim Henson workshop. But when you are thrown into an improv situation 20 times a night <laughs> and you just have to pick a puppet and people are throwing out crazy suggestions to you, uh, some that could not be aired on Sesame Street ever in its lifetime, it's like... You just you can't even think about monitor anymore. It's just performance and character and voice, which I think was such a great, just a great way to just jump into uh, what I had learned in three weeks. Um, so since then, uh, I got to work with a lot of lovely people on Helpsters, which was uh, <laughs> it was terrifying my first day i remember being so scared uh but then i saw kathy kim who was so <laughs> nice to me and um i still remember seeing stephanie DeBruzzo, and i was like oh my gosh she was on ubi i love her i don't and she talked to me and i was like oh she's talking to me i was such a wimp uh and i just fell in love with everybody so quickly um we fell in love with you jamaica <laughs> Um, it was it was just wonderful being able to assist because that's where I really got to see how uh, people who've been puppeteering for years get their get uh, their minds focused into what they're doing and just being able to watch um, and be right there was uh, was just great. It was so great. Um, what else? Well, a lot of people don't know this, but I am the associate producer of the Center for Puppetry Arts. So when I'm not <laughs> doing uh, on-camera stuff, which is very new, I'm back in Atlanta working at the center, doing auditions, holding auditions and scheduling and doing all that stuff at a computer. So <laughs> uh, two separate worlds. So that's, um, that is what I've been up to since then. And still, oh, and I did the workshop in December with Megan um, and Tori and some other wonderful puppeteers that I got to meet uh, where, we, where we got to learn three camera for Sesame Street, which yeah. I was very nervous about. But it's so cool because it feels like being a cat chasing a laser. <laughs> I, know it, I know that's funny you're right you know that that's true so in december we had a, a small workshop with a few people that were uh, invited to do a three camera workshop and it kind of came out of um I think it kind of came out for me, my realization for Megan, that on that day in September when she showed up to do Sesame Street, oh, she yeah. had only ever done something single. in 3A really, right? And it was only yeah. single camera stuff. And, and you were suddenly put into this position where, oh, now, you're, now the cameras are switching live and you have to change your focus. And I thought, oh, no. That was my very first shooting experience. I never had a 3A recording. You never had a 3A recording? No. Oh my God. But, but you had recorded yourself at home. Yeah. You've done, done some other stuff, but it, but it yeah. felt like to me, it was all like single camera stuff. There was never yeah. any switching, and that's how we do it on Sesame Street. There are three cameras. There's usually the middle camera. The, the, the camera two is usually the master. Camera yeah. one is a close-up. Camera two is another close-up, or you know they can do other different shots. And... To have somebody that is carrying a brand new character, uh, given uh, they have to be on set with a celebrity, and then we're switching cameras on that person for the first time ever, that is very daunting. It's daunting mm -hmm. um, when that happens. And that is why, as Jamika said, when you're assisting somebody, yeah. you can kind of just 
watch and see mm-hmm. how they do it and see what it you you kind of start to learn that three camera technique yeah. without having to be put in such a precarious and potentially uh, brain-melting situation mm-hmm. where it's you having to say the lines and look at the camera as it switches and find your close-up. So that was kind of, I think, for me, the um, that's where the idea of doing a small three-camera workshop uh, for people like Jamaica and Megan, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where that came from. And I'm glad we got to do it because it was a lot of fun. That was a hard. exercise. Yeah. 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 Uh, Brad, I do want to know since you were cast as Wes, what are some of the st- things that you uh, have accomplished since then? Uh, so I think the first thing that I got to do uh, after getting cast as Wes was uh, perform Wes, and that was very fun. And then <laughs> after that, uh, I was asked to do uh, Helpsters, which was so much fun. I worked for about a month on Helpsters, and that was just an absolute blast. That was so much fun. That was my first time in a studio. Um, that was my first time seeing TV happen. That was my first mm-hmm. time with sort of an ensemble of puppeteers and working in a stand-up set and getting to meet so many lovely, lovely, talented and wonderful people. Actually, something that struck me was recently when I went back to do the, the last day on Helpsters, I sort of had an out-of-body experience where, you know, I'm... 23 and I've looked up to you, Matt, and and all of these other puppeteers that have been around like this, uh, that that you've worked with sort of, you know, like the Jennifer Barnhart's and the Stephanie DeBruzzo's and Peter Lins and Marty Robinson, all these people. And I was walking in because um, I needed to grab something from Marty real quick. And I wasn't working that day or anything. And everybody, I see Stephanie DeBruzzo come in and she's like, oh, hi, Bradley. And then Jennifer Barnhart is like, is that a Bradley Freeman I see over there? And Marty's like, I suppose you're here for the keys. And then Tim was like, they let you back in here. And I'm like, all my heroes are saying hi to me. This is absolutely magical. This is insane. This is crazy. They say never meet your heroes, but that does not apply with puppetry. Anybody who wants to be a puppeteer, if you have a hero in puppetry, please meet them. Oh, your life will be so much better for it. Um, so I got to work on Helpsters. It was, it was wonderful. It was so much fun. Um, not to mention like Jim Krupa and John Kennedy and all those people that I haven't, if I, if I list, I for, I'll forget. I know it, Lars, I love you. So there's all those people. And then uh, I was asked to be a part of the Muppets. So I've gotten to help with some of that stuff, uh, helping with a couple of things with Kermit and with Miss Piggy. And I'm excited for whatever else may happen with that. And then I've been asked to be a part of season 53 and, uh, as of this recording, it has been the best time of my life. Um, <laughs> I love yeah. every day when I get You've to been there every to, day. I've been there working every, very I'm hard. Sick of the place, right? Uh, and, yeah, and uh, actually, I've still right now. I've never been there. I've still never been to Kaufman. I've still never done any of that stuff. So I'm very excited. But um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Um, just sort of doing that. Yeah, great. Um, thank you for all of that. We will be back with the mentees in a few minutes. But first. Uh, that'll be my son, Jack. Come in, Jack. Hey, Dad, am I too late? Uh, too late. No, no, no. You're just in time. That's because I have impeccable time. <laughs> you certainly do. Okay, enough of this witty banter. I feel like being on this podcast, Jack, has kind of gone to your head. Oh, really? A little bit. <laughs> oh, Father, how naive you are. I assure you that that's not the case. Also, this is not how you normally talk. Silence. Oh. Let's get on with this. I need to get back to my fantasy football league. Commence injury corner. Just give me a minute, give me a minute, give me a minute. Just give me a second, 
And um, I think she was doing raisin, and I might have been working possibly the magic fish or something like that. But uh, we were standing up on these wooden risers, uh, about four, three, uh, three feet in the air or something. And uh, we had these monitor cables that were strung across the, 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 the boxes we were standing on. And my foot rolled across this cable, and down I went... Uh, almost to my death, uh, to, the, to the, the bottom of the studio. And, uh, of course, it, it, it took my breath, I will say, um, and took me a while to kind of get back to it. But I had the most amazing uh, Hawaiian shirt of a bruise over the next three days on my, on my inner thigh <laughs> that was quite spectacular. Uh, it, 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 yes, it looked like some strange map of some alien planet or something. Uh, but that stuff happens all the time and, you know... I survived. Right, yeah. The things that we do for our art. And you get right back up and you uh, keep performing, right? That's the thing. Within five minutes, I was back up finishing the scene. Uh, you have to, you know. As, as uh, was it Robert Zemeckis said, uh, pain yeah. is yeah. temporary, film is forever. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Thank you, Mike, for joining me on The Injury Thank corner. you so much. We are back with members of the Sesame Street Mentorship Program. What is it that you're looking forward to, looking forward to getting to do or, or, uh, or seeing uh, in your work or in somebody else's work in season 53? Does anybody have anything that they are looking forward to getting to do or getting to see? Yes, Haley. Um I just can't wait to see everybody in person again, honestly. You know, I, we, it's been so nice doing these uh, virtual things where I get to see all your faces, but it's just so different getting to actually, well, I'm going to say actually hug somebody. I don't know COVID rules, but at least do like the little elbow hug or the hug yourself from six feet away and pretend like you're hugging the other person move that we're all doing. What a letdown that is. What a letdown. I know, but I, I just... I'm just so looking forward to that. That's that's going to be the best. Yeah. Anybody else? Anything that you're looking forward to? I'm sure. I'm sure that that what Haley said. Kind of we all we all feel. Uh, Jamika. Uh, I've had uh, quite a few people tell me in the Helpster set that you will that I will be changed when I walk into Kaufman, and it's specifically when I see Big Bird come out. <laughs> so, Matt, I'm very excited <laughs> to see you work. Uh, I just think that it will be magical. Oh, well, now I have a lot to live no up pressure. to. No <laughs> pressure. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, anybody else? Anything that you're looking forward to? That, I mean, she's absolutely correct. That, um, that coffee, even, I mean, I've been there before, but I'm still like, man, I got to get back there. It feels like walking into like your grandma's house. Like you don't do it all the time. You're like, I haven't been to that house in a while. And you walk back you're like, oh yeah, no, I get it. This is kind of, 
it, there's a part of me in here and I feel like it when you walk through it. And it is, I tell it people all the time, like it just kind of exists. It is a place like it doesn't feel like it's a bunch of flat walls. <laughs> it feels like it's an actual place. You're like, I haven't been there in a little, in a little bit. So I'll be yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah. Anybody I'm else? looking forward to hanging out with everyone in Elmo's room. So Elmo's room for everyone is the place where all the Muppeteers hang out uh, in between shooting or when, you know, another shoot is happening and you're not involved. So there's, I feel like I haven't spent in-person time with most of you all. Um, so I can't wait till our, our time to just hang out together. I want to be there when Bradley and Jamika come into the set for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool seeing somebody walk yeah. into the set for the first time. Yeah, I'm excited wait. to see that. Yeah. Kathy, I think you're with you are with me on my first <gasps> oh, right. working together. So please hold my hand and we'll walk into it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. Okay. Oh. Just wanted to make sure. That's uh, you know, Brad and Jamika, you are the newest members of the mem- of the mentorship program, but you've also been cast in two uh, pretty significant roles starting in season fifty three. Can you tell us about that? Let's uh, let's talk to Brad first. Brad, what role are you taking on for season fifty three? So for season fifty three, uh, I have I'm now taking on the role of Tamir, and I'm going to be helping to. Uh, bring him to life from here and, and take care of the character. Um, and, you know, I've been helping out sort of throughout, throughout the year, uh, filling in spots here and there and, and uh, it's yeah, sort of it, transitioned over. Yeah. And we should say that, you know, one of the goals of the mentorship program is to seek out performers of, you know, all different backgrounds and ethnicities and, you know, levels of talent. And it's not really necessarily meant to be a permanent gig, it's it's a program, and then at some point, whether it's your choice or whether we kind of push you out of the nest, uh, you you are kind of given your own opportunities, or opportunities come to you, and that's what's happened for Tal Bennett, who uh, created the role of Tamir. He has chosen to kind of uh, he's had some new opportunities come his way, and he is moving forward doing that. So he's kind of moved on from the mentorship program. And of course, we all love Tao, and we we uh, we wish him good luck. And uh, but in doing so, we've had to recast Tamir with uh, and and we held an audition and kind of you know didn't just give it over to somebody. We we held a legit audition with several people, and uh, Bradley kind of came out as the uh, the person that seemed the best suited for that that role. And uh, we know that you're going to handle it with uh, with empathy and with great care, and you're going to take good care of that character. That's the that's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> that's the plan. Yeah, that's yeah. the plan. <laughs> uh, but that's that's one of the things you'll be doing in season fifty three. Jamika, what about you? Yes, so I uh, have been cast as Grandma Nell. Ooh, y'all ain't ready for Grandma. Uh, <laughs> she is Tamir and Gabrielle's grandma, who lives in the apartment. Uh, apartment, uh, not with them, but I think uh, in the same building. Um, and I am super excited. I still remember Matt when you called me, and I could not breathe, uh, <laughs> and I I definitely yelled. Shut up. I was like, wait, I just told Matt Bowl yeah, to shut you up. You told me to shut up. I did. I, and he was like, no, no was, I want to tell you this good news. I'm like, I was I'm like, not okay. going to shut up. I'm going to tell you what you did, what you've gotten. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So you're playing Grandma Nell, and um, I mean, this is a puppet that hasn't even really been um, designed yet. Or I'm sure that she's been designed, but hasn't been built yet. It's a brand new character. Yes, brand cool new. Very exciting. Awesome. Yeah. 
So um, we all have things that we need to work on in our TV, in our TV puppetry, let alone in our lives. But we're going to keep it small for now. I don't want to, you know, keep your keep your life things private. Okay, Spencer. You hear that, Jay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we all need to work on things in TV puppetry, and 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 you should know what that is. You should all know what that is. Uh, anybody have something that they are working on in their television puppetry? Be it trying to find center of frame or whatever it might be. What do you got? I mean, I have so many things, <laughs> um, so many things, but, uh, you know, I feel like, um, as I've had more speaking parts this year, I've noticed like one thing I really want to work on is just, um, being more mindful about where I'm throwing my focus. If I'm not like actively listening or actively talking, um, uh, you know, someone who does this really well is Haley Jenkins, actually. So first, it's one of the things I noticed about you. Like when we first what? met, stop it. You, <laughs> like, Haley is really um, clear and purposeful with all of her focus and her movements. There's like not oh. a superfluous, there's nothing superfluous or unclear about like what her puppet is doing, where their focus is. It's always just like clean and purposeful and efficient. I mean, not to say that she's a robot. She's like a brilliant actor. In show. Like she, she fills Aww. out her puppets like with so much life and character. It's beautiful. But like, it's really one, sweet, Kathy. Thank you. You're amazing. And so my one of my goals, besides getting my head out of the dang frame and working on my just physical strength, I feel like I need to work on and making braver choices. I think we can all do that. Is uh, to be more like Haley Jenkins. Oh God. <laughs> Um, but just in terms of like clean, purposeful, uh, focus and, and movement. Um, I, I want to jump in on that and say, I want to be more like Kathy Kim because oh, my, <laughs> no, really my, cause my thing that I was going to say that I really want to work on is live hand assisting. Um, I've, I, I mean, I've been very, very, very fortunate for these past two years to be working on this one show doing a lead character. But because of that, I feel like I've gotten really out of practice with assisting, specifically with live hand assisting. Um, and when uh, we don't have any live hand puppets on uh, on Don Quixote. Um, but when I uh, came in and, and stepped in and did Helpsters for like, I think total I did like a week and a half. Um it was awesome, but something that I was really, really watching was Kathy. You, uh, your assisting of heart is so bold, yet not leading. It's it's just like it's nothing seems like you're you, you don't have any hesitancy, um, yet like you're not taking over. It's kind of like a weird balance of of being bold but not. Um, not preemptively making a movement that your lead puppeteer isn't going to do. I, I wonder if that comes from Kathy. You had mentioned before if that comes from getting to work again with Ingrid and kind of you now know her not tricks, but you know the way that that Ingrid moves inside that puppet and how she gestures with a heart. And maybe that is some of it that allows you a little bit more uh, confidence, freedom, whatever you want to say. Is there anything you would... Uh, yeah, confidence and freedom for sure. We like definitely... Uh, and thank you very much, Haley. But yes, it's there is something to uh, getting a chemistry with like um, the performer that you're assisting. Um, we definitely formed like a vocabulary 
Um, there were just like things that I, you know, and, and she's like, she's very free spirited. Anybody's worked with her, like she's incredibly unpredictable. <laughs> and so there are times where she'll say like, I kind of want to do this, you know? Um, and then other times you're just like, sort of like, uh, Karen Prell actually wrote me uh, when I got Chiyoung and, and I had mentioned that um, I was working with her buddy Ingrid Hansen assisting her and she said that must be like riding a bucking bronco and I'm like, <laughs> it's similar but yeah there there is something about um, just getting onto the mind meld um, uh, having that chemistry I mean any of us who have seen like Pam Arciero and Marty do Telly Monster you know they've done that together for decades um, there's no, there's no lag. There's like, you know, it's like, um, they read each other's minds. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, uh, maybe after decades of stories, <laughs> if that happens, you know, we will be even better. Well, it's, it is true that performers, some up performers are unpredictable. David Rudman is one. I used to right hand him for, um, baby bear for years and, you know, when you would think he was going to point or when you would think he wasn't going to point, that's when you would point and it was always wrong. Like, I was always wrong. But then I kind of got into the rhythm of it. It took me a couple of seasons to go like, oh, 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 here's what I need to do. And I kind of like, just like you say, Kathy, mind melded with him. And there are other performers like Joey Mazzarino I've right-handed for a lot that are very predictable. Like, I can, I know exactly when he's going to point, so I know when I don't point or I know when I can take over the gesture and he's fine with that. Um, so th there is like, there are a wide variety of different kinds of performers that use their live hand. Go ahead, Kathy. Oh, Johnny Kay, who is, um, one of the best, uh, assists in the world. I'm going to say he is like the best assist in the world. Um, his like, his like general philosophy with right handing, he told us was to just like, you almost have to just turn your brain off and just be absolutely present because like the second yeah. you think like, oh, this is what they're going to do or this is what they always do, or the second you're in your head, you've either missed it or you've made a prediction that may or may not be true because you're like, you know, um, it depends on, on a totally different individual, you know? And so yeah. you kind of just have to like turn off your brain and just sort of like focus in on the present moment. And I, and I feel like that's helped me a lot too. Chris? Well, I'm absolutely 100% uh, agreeing with assisting. That blows my brain. Um, my God, I hate it so much. <laughs> but you hate it? I hate it so much because it stems from a bigger problem is that my brain is putting a lot of pressure. I'm always putting pressure on myself to deliver because I think of, it, it even goes back to like when I'm in a, like a fast food restaurant and there's a long line, you wait in a long line and then you get to the front and you're like, I have to order exactly what I, you can't be like, well, what so, do you guys have? I am like that. I am like that, Chris, where I do feel like, guys, we've been in this line. There are people behind us. Right. <laughs> Let's get it together. I understand like, what you're saying. Well, I what do you, relate. what kind of chicken do you guys have? Mm, no, not that. And <laughs> so. You need to know what you want to order now. But, yeah, I get it. I get but it. Even when I'm not assisting, like my thing is when I have even hoots, who I've done now for like three, it's almost three years. Um, it's just that, a sense of being able to relax into the character and not feel like the time clock I'm going and being able to like, man, can I just take a breath out? Cause a lot of times like having worked on other shows, like Sesame, we work fast, man. We work fast and really, really good. So the quality is way up and the time, the speed is way up. Um, other shows, I'm not talking smack on other shows, please keep hiring me, but other shows like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, 
um, they're take they're taking takes way too early when you're like eh, that's good enough. You're like oh well, I didn't do anything. Or other shows do you know we take oh, this long amount of time to like hammer it over and over and over again. The Sesame's in that sweet spot where it's fast and it's really high quality, and then I have to put that away from my brain when um, I get um, a character on my arm and this kind of like. Whoo. Like, I've absolutely been like, should I take my Xanax today before I go to the studio? Um, like, how, what yeah. do I need to do? You shouldn't worry about the time, really. I mean, we've got stage managers, we've got producers, we've got the director who's going to be worrying about the pacing. Uh, but yeah, you you definitely don't want to worry about rushing through things. You That's your moment. That's your moment to... to uh, to relax, like you said, and and uh, take your time. And if you're going too slowly or if you're adding too much to it, they're going to say, hey, look, just tighten that up a little bit and you're mm-hmm. fine, you know. The, um, I'm trying to get smarter at being able to uh, read the script and anticipate where I'm going to, where my character is going to be or where the other character is going to be and then what the director is going to ask. So, so I feel like sometimes in the past I've, I've been present and available and just been told where to go and what to do and trying to take more ownership of those moments and uh, make those choices faster and smarter. And so that the director can use me and is not waiting on me. It's like acting Um, choices. You're making your acting choices ahead of time. Is that right? Like you're having things planned out. It may change by the director's direction or by whatever, whatever your scene partners, but you're coming in making choices. Exactly. And, and being able to anticipate that by the script. So oh, they're, yeah. they're going to take a single here. This is definitely going to yeah. be establishing. So just trying to like be smart about how I think they'll cut it all together so that I can make the best, so I can save my energy for when I need it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. That's cool. Jamika. Yes. I'm still working on breaking some of my, uh, theater habits. Uh, for instance, like I, the puppets I had at the center were much heavier than the TV puppets. So I had a tendency to lean onto the playboard to rest my arm. And even without a playboard, I still lean and that drives me bananas. Uh, cause it's like, I don't realize I'm doing it, but I got some really good tips, uh, this December from the workshop. So I'm ready to, uh, you know, I want to keep working on it so that that's not a problem anymore. Um, and also sometimes with even with in the theater and looking, having a puppet looking to the audience, the puppet can look anywhere and it looks like I'm looking at them. But with the camera, it's like, uh, no, that's not <laughs> focused. Yeah. So just want to break some of those habits. Uh, so I've got, I think, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to Jeff Goldblum anybody. I tried the raise hand thing on, on Zoom and I was like, I don't know if this worked. And then it shifted me and I panicked. So whatever. <laughs> but uh, I think one thing that I really want to do and something that I think Ryan Dillon is very, very good at is making it look easy no matter what position you're in under or below the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that's like, you know, of course, as a puppeteer, especially if you're on rollies, if you're comfortable, you're probably not doing it right. There's, there's always some sort of like weird contortion thing that you have to be doing. And sometimes I can see on camera that I'm straining to reach this position or that position or whatever. And I want to make it look like that's not what's happening. I want to make it look like that character is standing there and he's planted and, and doing whatever, whatever they need to do and just making it look, um, Effortless, as well as this one sort of alludes to what Spencer was saying, the bold, making bigger, bolder character choices. I think that's something I really want to do. I'm so I'm still pretty fresh at this and I'm still 
very intimidated people that I'm working. And so to make those, um, to make those choices that are just fearless, you know, just let me just do this. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And if it works, then great. Now, you know, now, you know how you can continue to do it and to just help keep the character stronger and relatable and, and more fun. Just, I mean, that's the whole point, right? We're, we're here, we're having fun so that people can have fun watching what we're doing. That's Um, right. So yeah, those, those are the things. Megan, did you have something? Oh, I've I've got a grocery list. How much time do you have? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! Top of my list, just like Brett was saying, is characteristic choices. So um, I'll be doing Gabrielle specifically in season fifty-three, and I really want to focus on things that we you know talked about in the workshop. How does she walk? What is her characteristic walk? What is her characteristic you know hair movements mm-hmm. with her two little afro puffs? You know how do we how do we make that characteristic? Um, and the other is just execution. Like Chris said, Sesame moves fast. And I've felt that, you know, and it, in three takes, I felt like I had one that I would choose. But what are the odds, one out of three, that they choose that best take that I like that may not be good for everyone else? So I want to focus on having execution in every take so that, um, you know, I'm not standing out among the others and that I'm contributing to everyone else, you know, having their best take as well, too, pulled from, you know, the hat as everyone goes through editing. But those are two highlights of my things that I'll be working on. Very good. Yeah. Uh, these are all important things. You know, we all have those things that we need to work on. Yeah. Uh, and we'll go, we'll go through our life things that we need to work on on our third installment of our interviews. I think we can all agree to that. Okay. So can anybody tell me what, if anything, you have taken away so far, thus far, from the mentorship program or from uh, Muppet performers or experiences that you've had, uh, you know, recently, something that you've taken away? Anybody, don't all speak up. Because there's so much. There's a lot. Okay. Every every time that you're around a Muppet performer, you're going to take something different away. There's just like, there's no, every, and every Muppet performer has something different that, that they are just like exceptional about. Just like a crazy amount of talent among that group of people, which makes sense because they've been around for so long. So Mm. that that in and of itself is like, what one thing can I pick? You know, it's hard to pick something like, man, everything I think of, I pull from somebody. Um, as far as the mentorship program is concerned, um, I did, I started performing here and there on Sesame before I was a mentee. And when I became a mentee, it was just that the community of the other performers in the mentorship program was so, it made such a difference. Um, even just being on set with everyone, I was like, whew. Man, it feels it feels it's so crazy to think that you could do it without having contemporaries and colleagues around you um, yeah. of the in the same kind of like bucket. Like we're all in this together, y'all, and it's just like night and day when you go other places. Anyway, yeah, because listening to the other episodes of Below the Frame, you realize that no one else had that what we are lucky enough to have right now. And I don't, yeah. I mean, it's it's really right. scary even with the camaraderie and the community that we have. Um, so I can't, you know, it must've been so much harder. It sounds like it was so much harder for everybody coming up. Like it, when they yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it feels like they had like one one or two other people like well i came in with so-and-so and that was it but we have like six people <laughs> so it was but here of- we have like permission to be the newbie amateurs and mess yeah, up and true. learn and and you know that we didn't we have like permission to be like oh i didn't know we weren't supposed to do that you know <laughs> like if you, oh yeah everybody else like coming up when they did in like the 90s and the aughts had that same sort of luxury of you know i mean not that we think of it that way obviously when we're on set we're like oh my gosh we're gonna get fired at any moment but you know we have that and it's, it's right that i think like i messed up one time and now i'm a welder in michigan <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not on the muppet i don't do muppets in. i'm a welder that's it like oh man <laughs> i pointed when that pointed at the same time <laughs> That was it. I was a puppeteer for one week. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will say it's been so awesome. Be- whenever we are all on set together, having exactly that where we we do have a little bit more of a of an allowance to to mess up and have it be kind of almost OK. But um, but being able to have each other there, other mentees there to go to. I mean, I can't I can't tell you how many times I've gone over to Kathy or Spencer and been like, Oh my God, I just did this incredibly stupid thing and I'll, I'll never work again. And I'm going to, you know, like yeah. it's just all the time, but having, but having that um, camaraderie and that community around you just to be able to get those energies out, those uncomfortable energies of, Oh my gosh, I totally screwed this up. But then having other people there to bounce that off of, and instead of going home with those feelings and dwelling on them has been awesome. You're like a class, you're a class of of uh, this program that are moving through this together and have each other to fall back on and you know that everybody's got your back what i think has has kind of just naturally happened here organically yeah. that you say you know you can come up to each other and go oh geez i messed up and that person's gonna be like no you're fine it's okay we're good you know to have somebody there to bounce ideas and thoughts and and fears and uh, everything off of i think that's that's interesting i didn't really realize that until right now that's that's really cool and i'm really happy that that happened yeah it's nice yeah i remember um screwing up i had one day i don't remember what season this was but it might have been my first season as a mentee just like really just like eating dirt <laughs> for take out or take and i was like oh my god and i looked over and Haley and spencer were sitting um on the stoop and they looked over me and mouthed the words we feel you and i was like oh i'm fine <laughs> yes we know <laughs> It can be scary. And I do feel like our Muppet performers, this group that we have, this family that we have, is very supportive of one another and of the mentorship program and the mentees as well. I hope you guys feel that way. Oh, yeah, I feel that way. They're all shaking their head, yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, sorry, it's a podcast. It wasn't dead silent, (laughs) and no one was just looking at me. You're all hearing this. Oh, yes, Matt, so much support, (laughs) yes. We were all shaking our heads, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we were doing, shaking our heads up and down. Not saying all that up and down. That was the direction of our heads. Nodding your head would be nodding, yes, that's right. We'll ADR the the head. We'll ADR it, yeah. Great. Should we all do one quick, <laughs> so one quick wild line of, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Three, two, one, go. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hands down. That's perfect. <laughs> Stepping away from my talk with the mentees to ask a puppeteer about not puppets. Ask a puppeteer about not puppets. 
On today's Ask a Puppeteer About Not Puppets, Fran Brill answers a question for us that has nothing to do with puppets. Are you scared of spiders? Absolutely not. You're not scared of spiders? I can't stand them. No, I know. My husband is the same way. No, I just hit him with my shoe. Oh, you kill them? Oh, yes. See, I don't want to kill them. Well, I have no trouble killing them. Wow. No. You are vicious. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I like about you, Fran. Anything larger... No, I don't, you know, in the scale of animal, the animal kingdom, I think they're fairly low. So that's terrible to say. They Uh, do help out quite a bit. But I'm not scared of them. No, not at all. I mean, tarantula, if I ever saw one, of course. But the spiders we get, no problem. Oh, those got to be big down there, though. No, 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 no. Snakes, I really am terrified of. Oh, you are? I used to skip S in the encyclopedia. (laughs) Just so you would... Move so over then snake. I wouldn't see any pictures of them. Oh our yeah. Cat, our cat Skipper has been in the past week. He has caught about five or six, maybe even more than that, wow. snakes, little garter snakes, oh, every day. They're kind and they're of alive. They're yeah. fine. And you know, one of my kids takes them and goes, throws them in the woods. So Skipper the cat doesn't. Uh, so he doesn't kill do them. a lot of damage to the snake. He just wants Not to play to with it. He does. He'll do damage to any other kind of thing he can get his mouth on, though. Like chipmunks and yes, birds chipmunks. and mice. And our our all cat that. used to bring the chipmunks into the house so he could play with them at home. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no chipmunks where I am. Really? Mm-hmm. No chipmunks. They don't exist here. I. That's so weird. It yeah. seems odd. It seems like a thing that would be pretty much anywhere. Not one. No chipmunks. Squirrels. No, chip, no yeah. chippies. I used to call them chippies. No chippies. Yeah, that's what our kids call them. Chi- they called them chicky monks. The kids? Yeah. And me. <laughs> We're back with the Sesame Street mentees. So uh, one of the goals of our mentorship program, I said this earlier, was to seek out uh, performers of different backgrounds and ethnicities, and I could very easily say, we're all different and we all come from different backgrounds, which is true, but let's face it, um, I'm a white guy and my opportunities and or my experiences, uh, both in, inside and outside this job, are different than those of you uh, POC performers, your person of color performers. And, and I'm still learning and I'm still listening and I'm wanting to be aware that there are other experiences out there, so both good and bad, and um, that are different from my experience. So I want to open up the floor here and talk about this. And I, I do not need to lead this, I, nor should I. I, I don't think that I, that I, that I should. Uh, so I'm going to like open the floor up to you, and I can start us off with a question, and then let's just see how it goes, okay? So here's my question. Uh, if you would, please, can you share your experiences as a POC, a puppeteer of color in, uh, in the TV puppetry world, or if you have like an, another uh, relatable experience that might be informative, could you please share? Yeah, um, this is Chris Hayes. <laughs> I, there's no, they can't see us. Um, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it's a, I've been a puppeteer professionally since like 2006. Um, we started with theater and then moving into television as of lately. And uh, in most places I've been, theater wise or anything else, I've been probably the only person, if not 
maybe another person of color in those places. And the only exceptions being when you would go and you would do August Wilson or, you know, something of that nature. Usually when you do something that is built around race, you find yourself surrounded by directors and producers and writers of color. But when you're, um, the more you walk towards mainstream and, um, especially now professional with TV and film, it's everything. It has some amount of a white filter on it. And what I mean by that is that um, at the top levels, you're like a lot of your writers, your producers, people who are putting the shows together or people who are white and they are writing those roles for you. And it's, um, it, even though it feels like it shouldn't affect puppets, it does t- affect puppetry too. But man, let me tell you, go into some of those auditions uh, without a puppet and you get the breakdown of what you're reading. You're like, oh my God, guys, another drug dealer? Like drug dealer, gang member, uh, low rider. I'm like, I read for all these things and you start to go like, man, there's got to be somebody in charge of uh, putting out what, this image goes out to people because that's very important to i'm not even talking about kids stuff that'd be crazy if it was but like um adult stuff but even for the kids stuff it's the same way it's like um it's hard to even sum up how difficult it is sometimes to get a meaningful amount of um representation on that screen uh, coming into this business Yeah, we're sort of like fighting the uphill battle, right, of the white establishment that's been set in place forever. And so maybe, you know, that's why a lot of us sought out or, you know, felt connected to puppetry a lot. You know, there are some of us on this call who like knew that this is what we wanted to do. And there's other of us, uh, you know, in this program who kind of like happened upon puppetry, right? But either way, we connected to it uh, uh, at some point. And I think a lot of it is because, like, it doesn't matter, like, what mm-hmm. you are. You can play so many different things um, because uh, in this sort of established media, movie and TV, you know, there's like there is a bit of a sea change happening, but it's very slow. And, you know, I, I've never um, myself, you know, um, you know, pursued acting like human acting, um, but uh, I imagine, like, say, like, 10 years ago, it would be, you know, similar thing. It's, like, uh, the nerd or, like, you know, I mean, at least growing right. up in the 80s and 90s, like, Asian people were, it was never, you were never accidentally Asian. You could be Asian in the background as, like, you know, kind of, like, checking off a diversity list, like, in a commercial or somebody's friend. But if you were, like, an Asian character, it was usually, you know, the Asianness was part of the character, like, some sort of stereotypical way. Like, either the nerd, the martial artist, the you know, the, the, you know, sexy red lip dragon lady or like the, uh, you know, subservient, sexy, quiet Asian girl or, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that maybe that's something that attracted me to, to puppetry is that you don't, that doesn't factor in, you know, the fact that I'm Asian or sometimes even a woman, like a lot of that one-off characters I did on Helpsters were male characters, you know? Um, and that's, so freeing and it's so great we're not bound by what other people might you know think when yeah. they see what our skin color is yeah, i think that is what is why we wanted to be puppeteers is we can play anything it can be a big yellow bird or a penguin or a monster or a chicken and uh, but and then also we and that's some of the like you said kathy like that's how we are we're able to be the we are actors and it is that's a freeing part of it um and we can also play characters that might reflect our own backgrounds um Sesame Workshop 
has a what they call a racial justice initiative to address racism in its different forms. And we did a, a special called The Power of We with... Uh, had Tamir and Gabrielle in it, and then, uh, but we recently did a special, like you mentioned, Kathy, see us coming together about Ji Young, a Korean girl who has her first experience with racism. Uh, and then also there were uh, the two black characters, Wes and Elijah, who were, who were created to confront issues of racism. And uh, like you said, Kathy, you want to be able to play all of the roles. How do you feel about playing a character that represents you or represents your ethnicity? Yeah, it's it's complicated, and you know, uh, a lot of the puppeteers of color on this call and I, we've we've had a lot of conversations about that. And you know, yeah, on one hand, uh, you don't want to be pigeonholed. You know, you sort of like spend your whole life um, being a mixture of an acceptance or a rebellion of like the stereotypes that society wants to put on you, right? And then suddenly they're asking you to be a character based on just your skin color, right? Because like they would not have brought on, say, you know, um, a white person to, to play this Asian character. Um, but on the other hand, there is, you know, Marty asked me if it was like heavy, the weight of playing this character. And I told him it's, there is a weight, but it's not a burden. And it's, it's a responsibility. And, you know, I didn't have representation in in kids you know tv growing up and so you know uh, to be able to play a korean american character and be that mirror for asian kids growing up watching sesame street and show that that their existence is validated that they you know that they belong here that they are american um and to be that person it's an it's an incredible honor um, and then on the other side, and like, I know Bradley and I've talked about this a lot is that like, you know, I think our, our greatest gift that we can give to these characters is to not put them in any kind of box. Like my whole take on Chiang is that, you know, it was very important that she was Korean American, not just Asian, because that's a sort of like, like, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. stereotype of, you know, in, in America that we're all the same, um, and so, but not only was it important for her to be Korean American, like I just want her to be an individual first. And her Korean heritage is an important part of her just as it is for me, but it's not everything that I am and it doesn't completely define me because there are things that are stereotypically Korean about me and there are things that are very atypical about me, you know? <laughs> and so I think that like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange thing like being brought in like, you know, and there are times that, you know, as like someone who came into the mentorship program with like not like a ton of experience, I felt like, am I just checking off my diversity box for Sesame Street? There were times that I thought that. And um, and so in a weird way, it was like confirming that of like, ah, yes, I am the Asian one here, you know. <laughs> but like, so it is a complicated thing. But like, I feel like as long as the best thing that I can do for Chiyoung and for myself playing this role is to make her as specific and as strong as possible as an individual so that yes, her Koreanness is a part of her, but also she is Chiyoung first. Um, and that, you know, hopefully kids who aren't even Korean will maybe relate to her because she's like, you know, spunky and she likes rock and roll. Um, and so I'm trying to take it that way, you know, and all the racial justice stuff I'm, I'm happy to do. I'm happy to, right on. Yeah. to be on that side of like actively teaching anti-racism to the next generation. And, and that's, a, that's a way, that. that's a way in. 
that is a way to introduce i mean that's a i guess a doesn't have to be the way that you'd introduce a new character but it certainly served a purpose in this particular instance i was thinking about what you said about um the checking off the box because i think i deal with that all the time i think about when i when i do land stuff um, and I'm auditioning, I go like, am I here because I'm the black guy? And my wife, who is white, she was like, don't even think about that. She's like, do you imagine how many things you've lost because you were the black guy? And it's like, mm. and so it's like, so oh, you yeah. should like, oh like so like, accept that. She's like, think about wow. how many things that, like, I mean, opportunities that you've missed out because they were like, well, right. we want someone a little bit more um, normal, you know, like on that, the, the, the regular. So she's like, you know, you should celebrate and grab onto these opportunities mm-hmm. and then every now and then i'll be talking about it and she'll she'll send me a picture on my phone of a foot in the door <laughs> and so i'll see like oh yeah you're absolutely right this is the foot in the door for you to go like thanks for letting me in here while i got your attention um here's some other stuff i want to get into also maybe in 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 different circumstances you know situation it has been a foot in the door but it's not what keeps you there. That's you know true. what I mean? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Stephanie DeBruza had a great analogy. <laughs> she said, maybe in certain situations, the, you know, the diversity or being a woman or whatever is like the Dottie Hansen. If anybody has seen a league of their own, um, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Kate only got to the audition because of her sister, but it was her pitching skills that kept her in the league. <laughs> she's yeah. like, right she's on. like the Dottie might be the diversity, but you know, Skill. like yeah. the kit is what kept you there. I tried to explain it to Bradley, but he'd never seen the movie before. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you know, to, truth be told, it is there is some truth to this, is that that mentorship program was designed to deepen the bench, yes. Not yeah. only to find more puppeteers, but to find more puppeteers of color. I am just so grateful to be a puppeteer of color on Sesame Street to the point where I felt absolutely no burden. I've actually felt empowered because I'm empowered to be a voice for the next generation, to be a voice for teaching young children, being one of their first, one of children's first exposure to racial justice. Um, I was inspired by female puppeteers. I'd seen puppetry before, but it wasn't until I had seen female puppeteers performing when I was 10 years old that I wanted to be a puppeteer. They weren't women of color, but they were women. And that was enough for me to be inspired. So I think representation is beyond important outside of puppetry. I'm a real estate developer and I never thought I would become a real estate developer because I've only seen white men as developers. And um, I still like can't believe I'm in that position. And so just I feel extremely empowered that someday a little girl may see me with Gabrielle and say, I can do the same thing. That's that's absolutely right. Like growing up, like Sesame Street was why I went into production. Mm -hmm. But like anytime you see behind the scenes stuff, it's like white men, for the most part, puppeteering. And you're like, Oh, that's a cool thing that they get to do, but that is not my world. That is exactly. not my world, you know? And it could be subconscious um, as well, too. You, you don't realize that you've already counted yourself out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I had an experience uh, at the Center for Puppetry Arts that changed how I thought about a lot of things. I, I've always loved doing performances for kids, but I've always been an out front character. But it wasn't until I did a show called Tall Tales where I was... Um, I played a bunny rabbit um, who was a boy. It's like a white bunny. And I used a boy voice and you didn't see me for much of the show. Um, but at the end of the show, I stood up and bowed with a puppet on my hand. 
and they realized that it was me. And yeah. I remember <laughs> hearing this little girl say, oh, mommy, she's brown like me. And I was like, okay. Oh. I, and I, it's before I could get off the stage, the stage manager was already, was already like, I heard her and wait here. Cause I'm going to go find her. Oh. And I found her and her mom and her mom was just like, we did not know you were a black girl. Thank you for doing this. She wants to be a puppeteer. And I showed her around. I love her. And I still remember what she looks like. She was so sweet. And I was like, that right there is exactly why I do this. I didn't even know that's why I was doing it. Uh, but from then on, that's what I think about is her. Because she had never seen a black puppeteer before. And mm -hmm. so I'm excited for Grandma Nell and for people yeah. to see, like, look, Look, a black girl's doing this. We got we got black people in the house, y'all. Look at us. You know, uh, being a puppeteer is pretty niche. Uh, being a television puppeteer is even more niche. Yeah. And being a person of color within television puppetry, I mean, how much more niche can you get? I mean, do you want to... <laughs> anybody want to talk about that and your experiences? Oh, it's incredibly crazy to think about the amount of... Um, people under the frame who look like me or look like, you know, that you connect to um, <laughs> in your race. Because like you said, like it, the times are changing. So now we're seeing those behind the scenes kinds of videos coming forth. We're seeing, we're actually seeing the puppeteers working. We're starting to notice like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> they don't look like me, the guys who are in there. And so seeing like, like growing up, I, I promise you, this is not something made of growing up. I always looked to Noel McNeil. Anytime he did a character, I was like, that voice, um, Eureka's Castle and Bear. I was just like, who is this guy? Puzzle Place. All of his characters uh -huh. were characters I automatically connected to um, before even knowing who he was. And then finding yeah. out like, oh, that's, there's something there in the connection. Of course, uh, Kevin's uh, characters connected to those. Mm -hmm. And one, they're great. Uh, puppeteers who do great characters mm -hmm. but two there's that connection of like man they are and they share the same thing with me and that was as a tiny kid i would get those toys out of the mcdonald's bag like ah um <laughs> but it's a yeah it's it's something and it does matter you would think it's just your hand and you're doing a voice but like it you can tell there's some kind of spider-man-y multiverse connection between <laughs> i'm i'm spoiling stuff um for uh <laughs> it'll be on dvd by the time this comes out yeah, that's right, um right. for for between you and the people in um it matters and like you know like noel wasn't you know he the bear didn't have a race you know like Magellan didn't have a race but it's like um opening opening up this like sort of community industry up to people of color who, and reaching out to people who thought that this world didn't really previously you know um belong to them i think is incredibly valuable for just puppetry as a whole in general like i remember jamika like i saw one of your first characters that you did on like helpsters i guess like we can't talk about the episodes or whatever but like jamika had like this like cute little you know one-off character and not necessary, and it was like a monster. It didn't have a race or anything like that. But there was just like a warmth and a texture to this character and her voice, just like Jamika growing up as the Jamika in Atlanta, or you know, outside of Atlanta, that felt like a different voice that I had not heard mm -hmm. in puppetry. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this is why we, this is why we need this. It's not just to fill out the roles of color. It's not just to like tick off a box, but it's like, it, it behooves the rest of puppetry to move forward and like, just be more diverse and bring in like, if we bring in more voices, we just all get better. We like grow and we progress, you know? 
Because otherwise it just stays the same, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I try to remind myself that I am niche to make myself comfortable being myself and not imitating everyone that I see around me because, oh, I know that works. They do that. Let me do that. No, I can bring my unique characters, my unique background, and that's why I'm here. That's one of the things that you had asked, Matt, like what we had taken away from the mentorship before the break. And, uh, you know, honestly, one of the things that took me a long, many years here to kind of absorb as a lesson and seeing the, it's 14 core performers, right? Right? It's 14, about 14. And um, like seeing how different you guys all are, like how in, like how different each one of your journeys has been, even just like the way you have, even just like methodologies for performance, for puppetry, for technique, for acting are all very different. And so that's kind of like, it took years of like figuring out that there's no like monolithic, perfect puppeteer. Like, and it's it sort of uh, this year, <laughs> he started absorbing and giving me kind of like forgiveness to be like, oh, I don't have to be like any one of these people. They all found their own ways and I can figure out what is going to make Kathy Kim you know, like valuable or unique mm-hmm. or what I can bring because it's not necessarily going to be any of these people, but like everything that you guys bring is completely unique and valuable. The same goes for all of you is that you have your unique voice, your backgrounds, everything that you bring with you to that room, to that set at that moment is, is unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's your, it's truly your own. And like Megan is saying, you know, to bring that, to bring who you are mm-hmm. on, on that day, whether you're, you know, whether you're playing Gabrielle or whether you're playing penguin number four, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter. That's yeah. what's the beauty. I think that's some of what is the beauty about being a puppeteer, uh, is that we can, we really truly are getting to the point where we're really trying to get to the point where we are just all under this umbrella of puppetry and we are playing all these different roles uh, regardless of what our skin color is, you know? Yeah. Well, so well said. <laughs> I it, love it. Well, I was just going to say for in this like anti-racism work and specifically for, for white performers, writers, producers, um, we, you know, our, our racial literacy is all over the map in this small group and the larger production and, and in the country. Right. So like, I think there's a number of folks that we've looked to, to do the heavy lifting for the rest of us up to this point. And I think the rest of us, and they're looking now for us to, to hurry up and to catch up and to carry the load and continue to do this work together. Um, and so I think I'm, I'm excited to, for, for all of us to be involved in. In, in this kind of work. It's super exciting. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm so thankful to Sesame Street too. It's, it's so, um, it's created such a unique opportunity for conversations like this. You know, I, I think all the time about how, if I, if I worked in, you know, an office or something, like, would we be having conversations like this? I don't think so because our whole job is about exploring what, you know, what, what being a puppeteer of color means and or a person of color in a puppetry world means and and um and how we can all collectively work together to push these wonderful initiatives and and i just i don't think that these opportunities would exist for conversation that gets this deep out maybe outside of this room so i'm just i'm very thankful for that and thanks all you guys for just being so open to talking about it it's very cool yeah, I, it's complicated, right? I mean, like, I, mm-hmm. 
um, I had a lot of complicated feelings, honestly, you know, to, uh, until the day that like the, the, you know, that we shot and then in some until it aired on HBO. Um, but honestly, the, the response has been so overwhelming and I, and I, like through the experience of, of, of working on Chiang and the special and, you know, taking in the response that she has gotten, it's really validated the importance and the need for this, this curriculum that we're doing. And, you know, there might be mistakes along the way. We're all learning and growing. Um, but it's really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's forged. I don't know. Like I, like I, 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 I'm all on board. Like I'm all on board. Um, I don't know the story, like even just like the personal stories. And I can't wait for, for the newer characters to also sort of like, you know, um, you know, get the responses from fans and things as like you um, do more and more stuff on Sesame because it, it, it really show, just shows how important this is. Um, you know, like one of my friends, uh, you know, uh, he's Filipino, his daughter was watching like a, a Jiyoung video and she's only like two and a half or so. And she kind of like waddled up to the screen and just pointed at Jiyoung and then pointed at herself. And it was just like, just, you know, you know, but there's so many stories. There's so many stories. And there's like the question of like whether or not it makes sense for like Muppets who have not had race for forever to have race now. But, and we can get into it on another discussion, but like I, I've, I've seen, experienced a lot of things that, that validate that, that this is the way to do it right now. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to do with all of you because you're all incredibly good people and talented. And Kathy Kim, I think I saw there was a little girl who was cosplaying as Ji Young. Yeah. She had a whole the whole thing, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so sweet!" <laughs> I cannot believe it. <laughs> it's crazy, okay. but yeah, it's because like you know they have like a hero on their favorite show that looks like them for the first time ever. You know. Yeah, you know it's it is. I believe that the mentality has always been on Sesame Street from its inception is that the characters are yellow and green and blue and red and orange and they are all different colors and that everybody can see themselves in any character. That's true, sure. But when you have a character that looks like a little uh, a Korean girl or that is a, a black boy, that somebody can really truly see themselves on TV, it's, it's different. It's a, it's, it's changing. Sesame Street has always been uh, an evolution, has always been an experiment. And this is that next step. We can't just have um, metaphorical representations. Is that right. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. No, right? we, need, we need actual skin color to talk about yeah. problems that happen from actual skin color. I mean, like representation right. is hugely important. But also, you know, I've, I've seen and read racism against some of these Sesame Street Muppet characters of color. Yeah. And that in and of itself yeah. proves that this is, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the color needs to be, to be used to address these yeah. issues. I, I think it, maybe it worked back in the beginning or was a little, or maybe we just didn't address it as directly as we're doing now. I don't know. Right but now yeah, I think it's enough the, groundbreaking stuff at the time, you know, like it's yeah. just, it's, it's all progress. You know? yeah, even just having the, the integrated cast at the time was a huge deal to the point where it got banned. I just watched Streaking again, so that's why I'm you know, fresh on this one. But that's why I got banned from, uh, from I think, Mississippi for a little while. Yeah, it was just shortly after. But 
and we had the sort of metaphorical representation of, of all these characters, but it is, it is very special because Wes specifically looks a lot like me as a kid. Um, and I remember there was a, uh, my mom was telling me about this, this boy in her class or in one of her other, cause my mom's a teacher and one of the boys at her school saw Wes or saw a picture of Wes and then ended up seeing a video and started crying because he's like, Oh my God, there's a Muppet that looks like me. And I was like, man, that's, yeah, I guess that is why we're doing it. Huh? You know, like what, uh, what a special thing to be, to be a part of and something that I, I wish I had, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm excited for, for us to continue because we have, we have West, we have Tamir, we have Gabrielle. It's not like Charlie Brown where we just have Franklin and I was always Franklin. Anytime <laughs> Charlie Brown would come up, they were like, look at you. You're Franklin. I'm like, this, this. Uh, <laughs> Franklin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but now we've got like uh, this, this variety of, of children and of, diver- of diverse children coming to the street. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's really inspiring and really incredible to be a part of this initiative. Um, and I know we're doing something good. I mean, I know that we're doing something incredible and we're continuing the legacy of Sesame street and, and 50 years later, we're breaking ground one more time and sort of paving the way for other shows and for families and for people to be able to have this conversation, to be able to, to properly bring up the topic of racism and have ways to, I mean, that's sort of exactly what Wes and Elijah are. It, it, there's a lot of heavy stuff that they have to cover, but it's exactly for families to be able to watch that video and then say, now let's talk about that. Like here, here's a way for us to introduce this conversation and the things that you have to learn. Um, because there are, there are a lot of things to learn, but it's really, it's really, really special to now be, you know, to be a part of this initiative. That's, that's just sort of, we're making our attempt at, at helping America grow around the world, helping everybody around the world, just sort of grow into the people that, that we know everyone can be, but not everyone has been. Well, we haven't had the tools, you know, like yeah, I didn't, yeah, right. there was a moment um, in the API special where Chiang, you know, experiences racism and Matt, like, I remember you were like, well, you know, without, you know, um, you know, making you like get too much into this headspace, but it's just like, well, if this sort of thing happened to you when you were a kid, how would you have reacted? And the thing is like, as a kid, like for me, it wasn't like I said, Hey, that is racist. And that is wrong. It was just like, you know, somebody tells you to go back to China or something. You kind of just like, um, internalize it and you just know that it makes you not feel great and but that's it and then like it just kind of layers on after like a lifetime of microaggressions and and feeling like an other um, but that those tools weren't weren't there you know the fact that this girl is Korean but she's also American she's a very American I didn't grow up thinking I was American you know um, American to me was white um, and so I didn't quite right. belong in Korea and I didn't quite belong here either and it took you know, well into my adult years to accept that being Korean American, being anything hyphen American is like its own valid thing. And how much quicker I would have gotten, you know, gotten there if Chiang existed when I was a kid. But it's like, that's what it is, right? It's like racism has always existed uh, since like there have been different races in America or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to get into the history because I'm not a scholar, but like, (laughs) all this to say that like, you know, um, giving the tools 
giving the tools means like talking about it and addressing it explicitly in a way that, you know, we haven't done in children's television ever. It's all been, which is what, you know, it's all great to say, like, we're all, we're all one. We're all the same. We're all equal. We can all be friends. It's all great stuff. But, you know, to give the tools to fight racism, we have to explicitly talk about it. And that's going to, that's going to, you know, create some growing pains. So there's been great response to it, but you know, there's also like, it's been, it's been a mixed bag of reactions and I, and I completely understand why Uh, any kind of, it's growing pains, you know, those other reactions that you're talking about are interesting because they, there was a couple that came out when Wes and Elijah came out that sort of just exemplified the problem that we're trying to solve, right? There was a lot of um, fragility in in a lot of the responses that was being exemplified. And it's like, look, we're not saying this is anybody's fault. We're just saying that this is a problem right now and we're trying to solve it. And the way that we solve it is by talking about it. And if you don't want to talk about it, then it's never going to get solved. And that loop can continue on into eternity but the the bottom line is we we have to talk about it and it's not it's not all about you it's not it's it's about us it's about us as a collective as as a as this this american experiment same way sesame is an experiment like right? the democracy everything all this whole thing is an experiment we're all still trying our best to make sure that it happens that it that it goes well and obviously systemically some things are not exactly equal still and we need to be able to bring that to light so that we can fix the issue because otherwise nothing's ever going to get done. And we're going to have the same way we've always had the two Americas and we need those two to become one so that we can all just sort of grow together equally. We're going to solve racism season 53. (laughs) I just want to acknowledge that Kathy, (laughs) Kathy has been a huge part within Sesame workshop in creating platforms discussions weekly, regularly for us to have persons of color throughout the Sesame Workshop, not just puppeteers, producers, writers, for us to get together and voice our concerns. And honestly, Kathy, you've been so patient with me because I haven't always felt like talking about it. (laughs) So yeah, thank you for creating that platform for us. Oh, it's not to squeeze talking, talking out of you. It's just to have like a safe space to like listen and, and be heard. And yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, we've had like these, um, we've unofficially called them the rec room because it is the race, ethnicity, cultural, blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know, it's like the puppeteers of color. It's the writers, producers, directors of color. And we all, uh, every once in a while get together, um, because I think it's important for us to just have a safe space to work out complicated feelings. And then also just feel like, um, that our voices are being supported, even if yeah. we're not at every single meeting or at every single table read that like, at least um, uh, we're bringing each other's um, sort of uh, agendas and, and wishes and hopes and concerns, like everywhere we go, that we're all sort of like a united front to make sure that we feel like we're being heard and that our representation is being used for more than just like our, our skin color. Um, and it's, it's been great. It's everybody's like, um, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I love these people so much. And we're all, we all understand that there's like, um, it's not a perfect process, but as long as we keep in communication and, and yeah. talking and listening, that we can make this the best that it could be. Um, but yeah, I, I love this group of people very much. It is a very complex issue. 
And obviously, we're not going to solve it here. We're not going to solve it in season 53. We're going to give it our all. Uh, you know, I, and I, I will acknowledge I have learning to do, and I, but I think the first step in that is acknowledging that, and, and I don't know everything, and, and, and I, I am open and willing to hear my friends, and I consider you all friends. And so, you know, we can walk down. Yes, Kathy, even you. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so we can walk down this road together and uh, change the world, you know? Um, I mean, it's like one little Chiyoung cosplayer, one little like kid who looks like Wes at a time, you know? Yeah, one little all, girl who saw a brown girl puppeteering in Atlanta, you know? It's like one yeah. at a time. Unbelievable. Yeah, I love uh-huh. all of these stories and that you've told. And and um, you guys are, you're, you're awesome. Um, so we're going we're gonna to move from this conversation now. If, unless anybody else has anything to say about this. Does anyone have anything else to say before we leave this? Go, uh, yeah. yeah. Go, go oh, I'll just say, um, it, it, I think of like when we create content, not just with Sesame, with everyone. Uh, when you, it's like making food. When you make food and you say everyone can eat this, they start to think about their place in line. And so it's really important when you go like, I made this food for you. This is a meal for you. And so I... Thank you for all the folks who are out there making content at any level. If you're just a YouTube person who's listening to this, I just make YouTube videos. Or you have a television studio and you want to make something, this is really, you're, you're doing good work and you guys keep on out there, keep doing it. And keep listening to the podcast. It's a great podcast. Oh, gee. Thanks, Chris. So both people that listen to the podcast will, hopefully one of them owns a studio and one of them creates for YouTube. I have no idea. Uh, okay, I'm gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a rapid fire like we, like we usually do, except this is going to be a rapid fire Ask a Puppeteer About Not Puppets mashup. Okay? Is everybody ready? Yeah. I think Here we go. So. Kathy Kim, who... Yeah, you're first. <laughs> who or what... Makes you laugh the most. Oh, uh, <laughs> honestly, when my daughter hands me sass, it's hilarious. It's really hard to not, you know, validate her being sassy at me. But it's just so real and honest, and in the moment when she like razzes me, um, that she makes me laugh really hard. Jamaica Collins, did you yes. have a nickname when you were growing up? Yes. Skinny mini. <laughs> Skinny uh, mini. Uh-huh. Because okay. I am a southern uh from a southern black family. And if you was too skinny, you had to go in the kitchen and eat you something now. So they call me Skinny Mini. <laughs> who, who called you Skinny Mini? Uh my cousin, some aunties. It was just like a playful, playful nickname. Go go eat something. Um because <laughs> you yeah. Uh but my other nickname is Mika. Which anybody's welcome to call me, Mika. Spencer, if you could spend a year traveling the world, where are the places that you'd most want to go? Um, my, it's so sad that my first initial instinct to that is anywhere with a pack and play for my toddler. <laughs> um, I would go to, uh, I feel like I would go to Japan. I would spend some time in Japan. I, I just worked on a piece uh, with a friend of mine who's a collaborator who's Japanese. Um, and I would, I would want to hang out with Michael in Japan. Chris, what in nature, if anything, scares you the most? Oh, my God. 
Um, okay, this thing is these things are naturally in nature. Uh, uh, cliffs, cliffs, okay. uh, gorges, yeah. yep, and um, and any kind of bridge that goes over those, yeah, valleys, anything like a lot of heights. I just like yeah. I cannot I cannot take it. That's nature, right? Yeah, sure. I, yeah, yeah, I buy that. Haley, would you rather go out or stay in? Oh, is this during COVID? Well, okay, yes. I should say, yeah, not during, like the world is your oyster. Would you mm-hmm. rather go out or stay in? I'm going to say I'd rather go out. I'm not, um, I'm not in a big like nightlife person, but I love being outside and I love pointing out every dog that I see. <laughs> and you can't do that when you're indoors. That's true. Megan, you can only listen to one song for the rest of your life. What is it? You gave her the hardest one. It might be. So I know this answer so quickly because I play it out every Christmas and I don't get tired of it, which means I could probably listen to it 365, seven days a week. And I'm so embarrassed. Y'all, it's Last Christmas by Wham. (laughs) that's that's fine that's totally i thought you were gonna say grandma got run over by a reindeer but but last christmas is great yeah last christmas brad your question is when will the pandemic be over thank you matt i've been waiting for this question uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. That's not that's not your question. But this is for both Brad and Jamika because we have not heard this from before. My and this is our last question. My friend and mentor Jerry Nelson once said to me, Sesame Street's great, but always have something that is yours, that is your own, that you create. It's all mine. Yeah. Goodness. I you know, every time I listen to the podcast, I think of what my answer would be <laughs> for this and uh uh, spoiler, I still don't have one. I still don't have a good answer. But um, I think I have, you know what I like to do a lot? I love to just do my own random little editing projects. I love to take, you know, different scenes from The Office and turn it into a horror movie. I love to make things like make random parody posters. Like I put my own uh, characters into like Back to the Future movie posters. Um <laughs> I love to, yeah, just do like random little creative things. And then uh, I don't write music, but I love to play music. That's another really fun pastime. But it's not my own music, but I love to do it. That totally counts. How, what, so how, do, you, uh, how do you play that music? On, a, on a piano. On a piano. So you play the piano. Yes. Yeah, that's very, that is a totally legit answer. Thanks. That's good, Thanks. right, guys? That was a good one. Yeah, that's a good answer. All Thanks, right. everybody. Jamika. <laughs> Um, I would have to say it's my now, uh, I'm, I'm on vacation mode, have been since I started uh, TV puppetry, but I have an Etsy shop called Mika's Craft Shop, where I make uh, wreaths, uh, holiday wreaths, or wreaths for your birthday, or wreaths for the uh, bar mitzvah. I've done all of those things. <laughs> um, and my favorite thing that I have in my shop is I make little tiny Harry Potter deathly, I mean, not Harry Potter, I mean, just uh, uh, <laughs> deathly, ho- you know, a different, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Magical student. Magical ornaments for your tree <laughs> in right, whichever okay. colors you happen to like. 
Magic uh, school. Uh, very good. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's something cool. that's all mine. Thank you. <laughs> So Jamaica Collins, Bradley Freeman, Kathy Kim, Chris Thomas Hayes, Haley Jenkins, Megan Pyfus, and Spencer Lott, the Sesame Street mentees, thank you all for being a part of this mentorship program. And then also thank you for joining me on Below the Frame. Appreciate Yay, it. Two Yay, two-time. Thanks, again. Oh, two yeah. times. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. That is Below the Frame. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode where I'm sitting down with my old friend, John Tertaglia. You can get updates and stuff about Below the Frame and Muppets and Sesame Street and, I don't know, my puppies, anything I feel like posting on my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok accounts at WelcomeMattV, or just search for my name. Below the Frame is produced by me, Matt Vogel. The theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by my band, The Mighty Weaklings. The podcast artwork was created by the fantastic Dave Holteen at DaveHolteenDesign.com. Special thanks to Janet Kim for her consultation on this episode. And thanks to Jamika Collins, Kathy Kim, Bradley Freeman, Chris Thomas Hayes, Haley Jenkins, Megan Pyfus, Spencer Lott, Mike Quinn, Fran Brill, and as always, my son Jack for being a part of this episode. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. I am Matt Vogel. We will see you next time when we go below the frame. Bye. Go, go, go below the frame.